the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. It's always an honor. Today is Wednesday, May the 20th, 2020. May 20, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1506, explorer Christopher Columbus, he died in Spain. Today in 1873, Levi Strauss and a tailor named Jacob Davis, they received a U.S. patent for men's work pants that would be made with copper rivets. We know them as Levi's. I have some. I love them. Today in 1899, taxi driver Jacob German, he was pulled over and arrested by a police officer who was riding a bicycle. He was pulled over for speeding down Manhattan's Lexington Avenue, that's a main street in Manhattan, in his electric car. He was driving 12 miles an hour, but the speed limit at the time was 8 miles an hour. That is the first ever recorded speeding arrest in the history of the United States. Yeah, they arrested him. They didn't just write him a ticket. They hauled him in. He was driving four miles an hour. In fact, the judge said nobody should be traveling that fast anywhere, much less in the city. Today in 1927, Charles Lindbergh took off from Roosevelt Field, Long Island, New York. He was aboard his Spirit of St. Louis Flew to France. It was historic. First time. Today, 1932, Amelia Earhart, she also took off some years later, 1932, from Newfoundland to become the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. She made it, but weather and equipment problems caused her to have to land in Northern Ireland instead of France, where she had intended. That's quite a ways. It's quite a difference. She planned to land in France. Sometimes, sometimes... Plans get changed, don't they? Well, in her case, it was probably very necessary. Today, in 1939, regular transatlantic mail service began. Pan Am Airways' Yankee Clipper took off from New York, bound for Marseille, France. Airmail. Remember when you used to buy airmail stamps and they were more than the regular stamps? And they said, now, if it goes on the boat, it'll take so many days. That's interesting. I'm not sure they even do that anymore. I'm not, I don't know. But anyway, not, today, in 1948... Chiang Kai-shek was inaugurated the first president of the Republic of China. We know it as Taiwan. China hates Taiwan. They try to block them on every front. They won't even let them sit on some of the some of the committees, the world, the globalist commi- co- uh, committees or or boards or whatever. Anyway, first president was inaugurated today in 1948. Today, in 1956, the United States exploded the first airborne hydrogen bomb over the Bikini Atoll in the Pacific. And today, in 1959, nearly 5,000 Japanese Americans had their U.S. citizenships restored after they had chosen to renounce them during World War II. And finally, today, in 1995, President Bill Clinton announced that the two-block stretch of Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House would be permanently closed to motor vehicles. He said it's a security measure. 
probably wisely so. I didn't agree with a lot of things Clinton thought, said, or did, but that was probably a good idea. Last week I talked a little bit. I just mentioned in passing about a barbershop in Snohomish, Washington. The barber there, Bob Martin, former Marine, I guess once a Marine, always a Marine, he's a Marine. He used to serve actively, he serves inactively now. I guess that's the way you would say it. But anyway, Bob Martin owns the the barbershop there. I don't know him, but I know about him now. On May 1st, he decided that it was time to open up. He said he'd been listening to Governor Inslee. He didn't agree with him, and he said, I need to go back to work. My customers need haircuts, and I need the money. So he opened his shop. Jay Inslee, of course, ordered it to remain closed. But Martin says, in part, because I served my country to preserve freedom, I'm going to express freedom. That's a part of where he's coming from. Well, now the Snohomish County Health District has sent Martin a certified letter ordering him to stop seeing customers face-to-face or he's going to face criminal charges. He's got to be asking himself, is this what I fought for as a Marine? Hair Salon in Salem, Oregon has been in the national news recently. I talked about it on this program when it first happened, but over the last few days it's gone from local Northwest news to the nation, that glamour salon in Salem, Oregon. Uh, the, the woman, the, she and her husband own several of them, I guess. They all have the same name. Four or five of them. I, I can't remember how many, but it's not just one. It's several. But um, her name is Lindsey Graham. Not that Lindsey Graham, but a different Lindsey Graham, of course. But she is um, defying Oregon Governor Kate Brown's executive orders. And she... Um, is said to be unquestionably now operating in violation of the governor's executive order designed to protect workers and the public. So the Oregon State Health uh, Administration is taking action, and they are planning to fine her $14,000 if she remains open, and she has remained open. This is being repeated around the nation. This is here in the Northwest, but wherever you live, you're hearing stories of this. People are fighting for their life. They're trying to survive. And the governors, the far-left governors, are trying to remake America. They're trying to use this opportunity. Maybe they're just not, I mean, not informed enough to make better decisions. I don't know. But I do know the decisions they're making stand squarely on the idea that they are forcing people to be here at this time and be there at that time. I've been in those countries. They're generally run by communists. China is such a country. There are others. I've been there. I've had them follow, follow me around. I've, they didn't call them you know, tracers, but I've had people follow me from city to city, in Poland particularly, when it was under communist rule when Russia had their hands and feet all over the country. They would show up. I would be preaching in Warsaw, and these guys would be sitting out there with a tape recorder in a church, First Baptist Church, as a matter of fact. I travel across the country many miles to another city, Krakow in particular, and here these same guys are sitting there in the front pew of the church. 
Fortunately, the pastors warned me about it. I was walking down the street one day in Warsaw, going to a little shop, or in Krakow, going to a little shop to buy something from these Christian uh, Messianic Jews that ran the shop. And these guys were standing across the street watching me, same guys. It felt like a B-movie. So I'm telling you, this is starting to feel not good. I'm not advocating for hair salons and barbershops. I'm advocating for freedom. And I'm saying the left is over the line. And people aren't going to take this. I'm not advocating action. People can make their own decisions on that. But I am suggesting that things are out of control. And then, and then we have this. The Washington State Legislature, it passes this bill. You know it is 5395. It's a very bad law. But they passed it anyway because there weren't enough Republicans to stop it. This last session. I've mentioned that several times on this program. I mentioned it yesterday, and someone contacted me by email, a supporter of this ministry, and and said, uh, man, will you please mention that again? We're, we're struggling. We're trying to get enough signatures so that we can put this on the ballot in November, this referendum, to veto our, legis- our elected officials. And I said, yeah, I'll mention it again tomorrow, which is today. If you have not signed this um, the, the referendum, please do it. They need 129,811 signatures. And I checked their website. There's The organization has been organized for this purpose. It's called Parents for Safe Schools Referendum 90 Campaign. Like they have an office in Kirkland. Uh, I think it's on Main Street, like the 200 block. There's some little offices. I think that's where they are. But contact them if you live in the Seattle area. You can... You know, you can contact them, but wherever you live, get in touch with them and find out where you can get a um, a sheet to sign uh, for this referendum, because they they only have until June 10, and they're reporting that they have in 73,000 signatures so far, and they need 129,811. I think they'll get that, but it's going to take everybody that's concerned about it. And what what the deal is, I'll, I'll just go through it very quickly is this this bill, it's things we've talked about on this program for the last several years, and it's in Washington State, but it's other states, other blue, liberal, far-left states. This is the direction education is going and has been for some time. This uh, 5395 that a majority of the Washington State legislature approved, and of course, Governor Inslee was quick to sign it, and make it law. It mandates graphic sex education starting in elementary school. It orders school districts to comprehensively, that's their word, include sex ed in all curriculum, including math, social studies, science, business, and computer classes. Sex ed in computer classes? Oh, I guess that's so you can... I won't even go there. Social studies, math? How does that interface with that? They don't care. They just want to indoctrinate kids. It denies parents and local school boards the power to decide what shall be taught and not taught. Unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats will enforce extreme curriculum in every public school in the state of Washington if you don't sign this referendum and if the people 
don't veto the legislature and the governor who signed it into law. That's where we are today. So I would encourage you to do that. Psalm 71, verses 12 through 24 says, O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. A man who was trying to do the right thing and serve the Lord, a man whom God loved, in fact, a man after God's own heart, felt that without God he was sinking because all of his enemies were circling him and trying to destroy him. That's what this is about. Verse 14, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all day, all the day. For I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and (laughs) gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength. To this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Give that some thought. Whether you're young or old, God knows about the troubles and the stress and the, the difficulties and the depression and the anxieties and all of those things that are associated with what's going on in our culture today, right now. May 20. <laughs> he knows. And you're not the first one that's felt that way. The psalmist felt that way. You feel that way and millions of Americans. In fact, there's a Gallup poll out this morning that's talking about, I didn't have a chance to read all of it. I glanced at it. But it's talking about, basically, talking about the um, the anxiety level in America. <laughs> it, it says that Democrats are more anxiety-ridden than Republicans. I'm anxious to read that. I just didn't have time. I saw it about 15 minutes ago. But it's out there. But all of us are feeling the pressure and the difficulty. And I just wanted you to know that God knows and he cares. And he feels what you feel because God is connected to our lives through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a lot of the Bible and all is, is more theory to you because the promises of God's word are not made to the non-believer. The promises, nearly all of the promises are made to the believer. The promise that's made to the non-believer is that if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. God, if we will claim Jesus Christ is the son of God, if we believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth and say, God, I need you. I need a Savior. Will you forgive my sins? Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. Will you forgive me of my sins and accept me as your son or your daughter? That's how we come into this covenant of promises of God. And if we're living outside that, we're fooling ourselves if we think that, you know, God will bless us or if we think that God will care for us or that, 
I mean, he won't. Not because he doesn't like us. It's because the only way to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what life is really about. It's the opportunity to be restored. The first man and woman sinned. They had a perfect relationship with God, and they sinned. They disobeyed. They rebelled. Satan whispered in their ear, and they said, oh, man, that sounds good. And they did it. They ate the fruit. And here we are today, and we need to be restored to God. And in Christianity, if you could, all of the books of the Bible have to do with Jesus Christ dying on a cross for your sin and your anxiety and your fears and dying in front of the public in, outside the city gate. And many people walked away and they were shaking their head. The two people, it's recorded, it's two people on the road to Damascus. They were talking about this. They said, man, we just felt like this was going to turn out great, that we had you know, this new leader and so on, and this person appears with him, and, and he's asking them questions about it. They don't even recognize him. You've read the story, and you know about the road. The two guys, the stranger that showed up, was Jesus himself. They didn't recognize him, but they were explaining to him how they had had such high hopes that Jesus from Nazareth would become a great leader. He would fulfill their needs and, and all of this. And there he is walking with them. And until they recognized him and accepted the fact that he has been resurrected and was resurrected, their eyes were blind. They didn't even see the truth when he was walking along with them. So I would encourage you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That will make all the difference in the world. That will change everything. And these promises then will be yours. I got this note from someone in email yesterday. Gary, once again, I thank you for your service. God is using you as a voice in the darkness, and it's getting darker every day. I appreciate your mention of the footprints in the sand. I mentioned that poem, that footprints in the sand, yesterday on this program. He said, I'm not a pastor, but I've preached that message before. I've also lived through these those feelings of God aban- feeling like God abandoned me when I lost my daughter to cancer, only to realize years later that he was, in fact, carrying me. Thank you, Gary, for sharing truth and wisdom on your show. I truly appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, sir, and to all of you who support us. Gary wouldn't be doing this if he didn't have all of you standing with me. It is so important. You are as much a part of this ministry as I am because it couldn't happen without you. And it is touching people. I say this in total humility, but our reach is growing exponentially, even in the markets, radio stations that we've been on for a while. People, More people are finding us. I'm hearing from people and they're saying, wow, I was challenged. I was. I disagree with you. I'm angry at you. Whatever, but the the impact of what we're doing here is exponentially expanding, and you're the reason that this can happen, because without your support, it could not and would not happen, unless God provided some other way. And generally, God funds His ministry, His work, with His people. That's His way. The Bible is pretty clear about that as well. So thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98. 98-
0009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. These are difficult times, so thank you for standing with us financially and prayerfully. Yesterday, while I was on the radio, as I am now live at 9 o'clock in the morning, if you're listening at a different time, there was a slight delay in, in some couple of the stations that we're on. And But while I was on live at 9 o'clock yesterday morning, where this originates, this program, I was, um, <laughs> was talking about the corona pandemic and all. Well, the Seattle Times published a a featured article. It's in their paper, but it was online at a, at about nine ten yesterday morning. It was interesting. While I was talking, I was talking about the very things they were talking about from a very different perspective. And I'd like to kind of continue on that thought with a different uh, from a different angle today. But the title of the story that was in the Seattle Times says, "Could the coronavirus reset society?" And I was talking about yesterday. What may God be saying to us through this? coronavirus pandemic, this episode. This is a snapshot. What they were saying yesterday, it's a long article. I don't have time to go through all of it today, but I want to mention a couple of parts of it to you and encourage you to take a look. It's on our website, Faith and Freedom, A-N-D, Faith, A-N-D, Freedom, all one word, dot U-S, not dot com, but dot U-S. But that article gives a snapshot of not just Seattle, but of all of the secular cities, the, of the far-left cities, and believe me, Seattle is. It gives you an idea of where the left wants to take the people of America, and they're trying to, and they're succeeding in education, as we talked about a few moments ago. But national legislation will look like some of this in the coming weeks and days, and not only in the state, but in are federal, in Congress. They have an agenda. This is not a passive thing. Well, I kind of believe this, but what do you believe? Let's all come together and let's compromise. It might have been that way many years ago. It's not that way now. It's fight to the death. The far left and the conservative, mostly Christian, but the conservative in America. The article begins with this. Hotel rooms for the homeless, food chain, and sanitation workers hailed as national heroes, a Republican-led federal government flooding the country with easy money, governors putting the brakes on evictions, a new national obsession with hand-washing and the fine points of epidemiology. The coronavirus pandemic has even reduced air pollution in cities across the globe, the Seattle Times says. In Seattle, cars, trucks stay off the road though it's not enough to make a dent in climate change projections. Of course not, until we've shut down personal travel and allocated all of us to mass transit. It won't be enough. But the Seattle Times says life has changed. The twin pressures of the coronavirus pandemic, economy snarling lockdown, has stretched the borders of what we thought was possible. Which brings the big question. I'm still quoting this, the, the, the article in the Times. Which brings the big question. Will any of this stick around? Has the event loosened up parts of our social mach- machinery that just a few months ago seemed unchangeable? What decisions are we making now that we could have, that would have huge reverberation for years, even decades into the future? And then they talk about those decisions that can be made today to essentially move the culture 
They're talking about Seattle or Washington State in this case, but it doesn't matter where, how they can move the culture further to the left, and they call it progressivism. Randy Ingstrom, he's the director of Seattle's Office of Arts and Culture. He says Seattle was the first hit by the virus, so we're going to be, I'm quoting him, we're going to be leading and reimagining what the new normal might look like. He says, our great ability is to do what we've always done, which is to invent the future. So these guys are sitting around with taxpayer money inventing the future. And the first thing they attack on this or address on this is health care. And again, I'm going to summarize it, but the article's there. It's in the Times today, but it was published yesterday, as I said, while I was on the air. But it's in the article that I mentioned at Faith and Freedom. There's a link to it as well, of course. But this um, this guy, what they're saying about health care is, I believe the inertia for the old ways of doing things is gone. This is a quote from the article. We've got to decide for ourselves now as a people, as a country, how we want things to be in the future. A drastically different set of rules. There's a good chance that we can really reset the culture. This is what they're talking about. As I said, this first first thing out of the chute is the health care Aaron Katz, he's over at the University of Washington School of Public Health. He lectures a lot. He's well-known around the area. He's cautioning these younger progressives. He is a progressive. But he's saying, don't become overly optimistic or hopeful because he thinks that there's much more work to do before America is ready to become nationalized in health care or any other important aspect of the society. The push for socialized medical care will continue. Joe Biden, this is me now, not the paper, but Joe Biden, if he were to become president, Barack Obama has himself already so far into this presidential race that if Biden becomes president and Biden's abilities to even communicate are diminishing, I mean, it's very visible. And as I've said before, it's sad. It's sad. I don't say this with any glee. I don't want him to be president, but no one wants to see someone failing publicly like he is. He can't speak well anymore. He was trying to give a press thing the other day, and those all those geese were out there honking in his backyard. He's got a pond out there, but it's not on his property, so he can't do anything about it. And all these geese were out there honking. Now there's a bumper sticker that I saw people advertising this morning nationally. It says, honk if you love Joe, and they're referring to those geese. You couldn't hardly hear him speaking, but when you could hear him speaking yesterday, he wasn't making sense. I mean, he would talk about something about one subject, and all of a sudden he would just take a left turn, and he'd be talking about something unrelated. But Barack Obama's going to insert, he already has, because they see that the difficulties that Joe is having. But if they can insert themselves, and he has, into that and help Joe get elected, then Barack Obama can actually run the country through Joe Biden with no accountability and no real consequences for whatever he does. And the first thing he will do, he will lead Joe Biden by the hand up to the trough, and they will start to drink for socialized medicine, which that is the first step to a socialist nation, which is exactly what those people want for you. The mass surveillance is another issue. I don't have time to get to it today, but they are addressing this as a welcome opportunity to mass surveil 
the citizens. Well, thank you for being with me today. It's always a pleasure, a privilege. Remember that God is with you. God loves you. And God knows what we're going through. And he's going to strengthen us and help us and be with us again. Thanks for being here. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow.